Hey, this is Dino, and I'm the pastor of Revolution Church. Thank you for downloading this podcast. We hope this message is encouraging to you and will help you to discover God's unchanging love. For more information, visit our website at therevolutionchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Hey, what's up, Revolution? God bless you guys. Thank you guys for joining us today. We consider an honor and a privilege to be able to worship together with you, especially if you're watching for the first time. We are on this journey together here where we are discovering God's unchanging love. You know, that's the vision of our church. And I say this every week because it means so much to me. God's love for us never changes. We change But his love never changes, even when we change. Amazing. So God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us. And and so glad you're with us as we're getting ready to launch our new series today. You know how I can tell it's a new series? I got a new sweatshirt on. Can you see how cool this sweatshirt is? It's kind of like a reclaimed sweatshirt, like this tie-dye look, right? We're going a little retro, all right? And so we're going to call this series Reclaimed. Why am I calling it that? To reclaim actually means to discover, discover something that is lost. I believe throughout this series, we're going to discover a few things that have gotten away from us. We're going to discover a few things that, that, that maybe we let go, okay? And here's why I think it's really, really important. Culture is trying to change everything today. And here's the deal. Some changes are actually really good. I mean, uh, I, I know that in this season of, of our, my life particularly, I have grown to appreciate uh, things in my life or people in my life even more as a result of the pressure. Like in the studio right now, it's, it's absolutely amazing. The culture of people that we have here. We have an, uh, an African in, in the studio who will be an African-American soon. Come on, Jez. Then we've got, we've got uh, uh, an Hispanic person that's, that's in here. Got a Canadian, all right? I thought my wife had some Indian in her, but I'm really disappointed that she doesn't have any Indian. I just found out I've been dancing with wolves all these years, and I didn't realize she's no Indian in her at all. But got Scottish, got some other stuff in there. Do have some part Indian here with Andrea. And of course, I bring the Italian connection. Come on. So this culture is all together, and that's been something that's been great in this season where our culture has come together and a great appreciation for each other has come together. And I love that. And we should appreciate each other. I appreciate my Italian heritage. You should appreciate your heritage as well. And don't let anybody ever convince you otherwise. You know, my heritage was like, what's the matter for you? What's wrong with that? Okay, who cares, right? And, and we talked about the way people say you guys, right? And, and down here or, or in, the, in the South, people say y'all, right? Right? And then up in, up in the northern areas, maybe Michigan, Chicago, it's used guys. Hey, let me tell you a really weird one. I'm sorry if you're from Pennsylvania. They say yuns. I don't understand it, but you should still be proud of it. Yuns, all right? So all of these different cultural things. And listen, don't cancel me because I just said yuns. Come on. I love the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're awesome, all right? And Pittsburgh Steelers, love you guys too. So, but here's the deal. Culture is really trying to change everything, okay? Some things are good and some things not so good, especially in this area for believers in Jesus, for Christians. Culture is really trying to challenge the Christian faith, the Christian belief system. And I I believe in this series, calling it Reclaim, we're gonna rediscover some things. I hope in this series that we're gonna lift our head up, head and shoulders above the rest and say, listen, I'm proud of my Christianity. I'm proud of my culture as a Christian. I'm proud of the things that the Bible promises me. And as for me in my house, I'm going to serve God. That's the purpose of this series. And I hope you stick with us because I just believe that we're going to learn a lot of things. All right. In this series, we're going to reclaim some things. We're going to rediscover what the Bible says about marriage. I'm interested in what the Bible says about marriage, not what culture says. I'm interested about what the Bible says about purpose, not about not what culture says. Culture will try to tell you that if you don't have the right education or certain gifts or certain talents, then you can't be successful. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you are already a success. 
success if you're in Christ Jesus. So we're going to reclaim a few things. We're going to reclaim some things about your finances. The Bible says that my God supplies all of our need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I think it's time to reclaim some of those promises. It's time to reclaim some of the promises of our health, that we don't have to deal with the issues that are going on around us as far as our health is concerned, but we can reclaim what the Bible says about our health, all right? So it's going to be a tremendous series. You should go out, get some of these shirts, get a little retro on us, and we're going to have a great time in this series. All right, so come on, I want you to join your faith with me, and let's pray, and let's believe God to do some amazing things here today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, and we praise you for the opportunity to share the Word of God. Holy Spirit, help me teach this message. Help the listener receive what they need to receive throughout this series. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to reclaim a few things today. If you were right here with me, I would say turn to the person next to you and just tell them we're going to reclaim a few things today. Come on, if you're sitting next to somebody or you roll over in bed, whatever the case is, come on, we're going to reclaim a few things today. I believe there is a cultural challenge that is coming right now, right now, in, this, in the exact moment that we're in right now, where the Word of God is being challenged. What God's Word says about things is being challenged. And I want to just talk to you that I really believe our baseline needs to be right here. And as we talk about God's Word today and reclaiming and restoring the Word of God in our life, I believe it'll be the thing that will help us move into all the other areas of our life. Did you know something? The Word of God has always been a, a, a baseline or a part of even the beginnings of America. Did you know that Harvard, Yale, and Princeton, they all started out as Bible schools? Did you know that? The importance of the Word of God. Harvard, 1650, the motto was, for the glory of Christ. When it first was founded in 1650, that's what their model was. Come on, somebody. Yale started in 1701, and it was started by 10 Congregationalist ministers that was founded, listen, to train people in the Word of God. They only allowed theology and sacred languages in the school at that time. It was founded on the Word of God. Princeton. Princeton's motto was, under God's power, she flourishes. There was no apologies for the Word of God. There was no apology for, the, uh, for setting our life and building our life upon the Word of God. Friends, it's time to reclaim a few things. I brought with me a McGuffey Reader. This is an amazing little book right here. This was a textbook that was used in early America, and it actually was used for over 125 years until it was outlawed in 1963. 125 million of these things were printed, and it was the choice textbook that was used in America up until 1963. I want to read something to you. We're talking about reclaiming a few things. This is a textbook, and it just, and I hope you can see this, all right? I want you to, to be able to see this, all right? And so, which camera shows you? This one right over here? All right, look at this. It just has pictures. Boy, man, it's illustrated and it has, it has different things here. Pen and top. And so this is, the, this is the textbook that little kids would use, all right? And in this textbook were lessons as well. I'm gonna read to you a couple of lessons that I think you're gonna absolutely find absolutely fascinating. This one here is a lesson about, about, uh, uh, about cows. All right, this is, this is awesome. I'm going to read right out of this textbook so you can see this. This is crazy. What do you see here? I see one, two, three cows. The cow does not work. She gives us sweet milk. A cow is not so large as an ox. The cow eats grass and hay and corn. I mean, come on, it's all common sense, right? Watch this. The cow does a great deal of good. The cow is kind and will not hurt you. Are you fond of milk? Oh yes, I like milk. It will make us grow. Listen to this. You must not hurt the cow. Oh no, I will not hurt her. We must not hurt any beast God makes. God made the cows and God made them for us. Imagine if you heard this today and you're 
American textbook. Come on, somebody. But yet up until 1963, this is what our children learn. I just, you got to just hear this, this part here. I want to read this other lesson. This is awesome. I, I, I'm going to go a little bit longer today because I really want to feel like I want to set up a foundation about rediscovering God's word in our life, reclaiming God's word in our life. Look at the sun. Look at the sun, it says here. See it. It sinks in the west. Who made the sun? It was God, my child. He made the sun, the moon, and the stars. God made each tree and herb and the tall oak and the low bush. This is a, it's incredible, talking about the creation and how God was at the center of creation in our textbooks. Is this amazing? We need to reclaim a few things about the Word of God, friends. I'm just telling you. And I just believe that we are in a time, we are in an era right now where we need to come together and we need to challenge ourselves as Christians and ask ourselves, where is the Word of God in our life? I want to talk to you about reclaiming the Word of God today. Here's the reason why. Because maybe we've never understood how powerful God's Word is. And maybe we never understood how, how uh, uh, life-changing that God's Word can be in our life, right? And maybe we let distractions in, in enter in as a believer. And, and maybe we never put the Word of God in that preeminent place in our life, all right? And maybe you're watching today and you never even heard that God's Word's powerful. You never even heard that God's Word can change your life because you thought it was just some history book. I promise you today, if we just listen together and we do this together, I believe that we're going to reclaim a few things, but it starts with the Word of God. All right, so where did the public reading of the Word of God all start in the first place, all right? You have to go all the way back to the Old Testament. The Old Testament, and this is where Moses received the law. We would call it the Word of God. And God tells Moses, I want you to read this word. I want you to read my word to the Israelites because by you reading my word to the Israelites, it will put my word in them. Watch this. Come on. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. I want you to see this for yourself. This is awesome. All right, and, and, and read this and just take your time here with me here today because I just believe that our eyes are going to be open and, and maybe we're going to reclaim a few things in the Word of God. Notice what it says here in Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 16. This command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you. This is God speaking through Moses to the Israelites. And it is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you might, must ask who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? It is not kept beyond the sea, so far away that you must ask. Who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey it? No, the message is very close at hand, or the word of God is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it, or that so that you can do it and you can prosper as a result of it. Watch this, verse 15. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, his decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, watch this. You will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you're about to enter into and occupy. So the, word, the reason for God uh, asking Moses to do this and to read the word of God publicly was right here, so that the children of Israel would receive the word of God and they would be blessed in everything that they did. In fact, it's all culminated right here in one more scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 13. I want you to see this for yourself. Come on, go there in your reading device. Open your Bible up. See this for yourself. Reclaim this promise for you right now. Watch this. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. This is the word of God, you guys. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. This is the will of God. 
This is why God wanted the word of God read publicly. Because it was his will for his children always to be at the top, never at the bottom. This is the purpose of it. And friends, listen, if you don't know that this is the reason why God gave us his word, is to help us be on top and not the bottom, then this message is for you. That we need to reclaim this. We need to rediscover this. It was always God's will for his word to go forth so that we would live on top and not beneath. And so what happened was this. As a result of this reading, then smaller communities begin to develop, and it was God's will. Synagogues begin to develop. And in these little smaller communities, and in these synagogues, the word of God was always read. Why? To help people be on top and not the bottom. To help people live victorious and not defeated. That was the purpose of the public reading of the Word of God. And I want you to know something today. I hope you're hearing me with your whole heart. That is the purpose for today's public reading of the Word of God. Is to help you be on top and not the bottom. Because that is the will of God for your life. It's the will of God for your life. It's the will of God for your children. It's the will of God for your marriage. It's the will of God for your physical body. It's it's the will of God for every area of your life. I didn't say that. The Word of God says it. We're going to reclaim some things today, you guys. We have to reclaim the Word of God. And why is it so important from time to time to talk about this? Because just like today, in those days, there were always challenges that rose up to quench the Word of God, to quench the public reading of the Word of God, to quench people's belief in the Word of God. You see this cyclically through the Word of God and through the Bible historically, and I believe we're in one of those times right now where there's a challenge on us as American Christians. There's a challenge on world Christians today to hold on to the Word of God and to reclaim it for our life, all right? There was a time in the Old Testament when Israel had sunk to this place where, where they forgot the Word of God. They stopped the public reading of the Word of God. And remember, God's will was always that we would be on top and never on the bottom. So it happened. They stopped reading the Word of God. They stopped applying it. They stopped living by it. And Israel sunk as a nation. They, they sank, man. They, 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 they fell into idol worship. The, the, the temple of God was actually being used for pagan worship. And it was amazing. The poverty that crept into the nation, sin crept into the nation, violence crept into the nation. Everything you would think of what that, that could happen crept into the nation of Israel. And here Israel is at this point in time. And there's a king, his name is Josiah. And he was a good king, the Bible says. And he really had a heart to want to serve God. But he, he was in this environment where Israel had slipped into this pagan worship. And so this is very interesting. I want you to see the story here in 2 Kings, verses 22 and verses 8 through 11. I'm going to read this to you because here's what's happening, okay? Josiah is the king, and he, and he has a heart to want to serve God, but he doesn't know where to start. He doesn't know where to begin because he can see the nation is in shambles. So they get this idea that they're going to do something to help restore the temple, all right? And so they they, they hired all these artisans and all these workers and, and they were collecting money to pay for the restoration of the temple. And so while they're in the process of restoring the temple, which is now being used for pagan worship, I mean, vile things were going on in the temple of God, okay? So, so the temple of God's being used for pagan worship and Josiah is in the setting. King Josiah is in the setting. Watch what, what happens here in verse 8. In Hilkiah, 2 Kings 22, verse 8. Come on, follow along with me. And Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah, he gave it to Shaphan and he read it. And Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it to the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, And Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. So the secretary, he finds the book. He finds the word of God and he begins reading it to the king. 
And watch how the king reacts. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. He didn't tear his clothes because he was angry. He tore his clothes because he realized this is what I've been looking for. This is what we've needed to get Israel back on track to restore our nation. And when you follow this story all the way through, King Josiah took the word of God and he began to tear down idol worship throughout Israel. He began to change things in the temple. He brought reformation, or some would call it reforms. A great revival broke out. Great restoration broke out. Why? Because somebody reclaimed the word of God. Somebody discovered something that was lost. And when they found the word of God, they began to prosper again. And this is what is so interesting. When I started to study how they lost it in the first place, they didn't lose the word of God because there was a fire or because there was a flood or because there was some natural catastrophe. They lost the word of God because somewhere along the line, priests decided it wasn't important enough. And they set it aside and they decided to embrace culture instead. And so they mixed a little bit of culture with a little bit of the word of God. And they mixed a little bit of culture and a little less of the word of God and a little bit more of the culture and a little less of the word of God to the place they closed the word of God and stuck it in the temple and forgot about it. Leaders on purpose closed the word of God and moved on to something else. And as a result, the nation fell apart. Come on, this is why I'm so passionate about this today, you guys. We're going to rediscover. We're going to reclaim the Word of God today. The Word of God is so powerful. The Word of God can change us. It can change a nation. It can change your family. It can prosper your business. That is how powerful the Word of God is. And we're going to challenge people. I'm going to challenge the people who are watching today. You're a leader. We're leaders. If you're a Christian, you're a leader. If you're a born-again believer, you're a leader. You may not be a leader in a large way or over a large organization, but you are of your family. You are of your children. You are of the sphere of influence that you're in right now. And what a difference your life can make, I'm telling you, as you reclaim the Word of God, as you put the Word of God back into that place of discovery, back into that place of preeminence in our life, and I just believe it'll be a big difference in your life. I really do. That's why I want to challenge you right now. We are in a challenge right now as a nation. Barna just did a survey. Here's what they said. Only 5% of Bible-believing Christians have a biblical worldview. Only 5%. Listen, and here's what this means. To have a biblical worldview, it means this. It means these things, and you want to write these down, okay? I'll take my time here, and we'll write these down. And and and. And we might even put these in the lower third, so this way you can see them for yourself. All right? All right so a biblical worldview is somebody that believes truth is defined by the Bible. That Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. That God is all-powerful and all-knowing. That salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned. And that Satan is real. And Christians have a responsibility to share their faith. And the Bible is accurate in all of its teachings. If you believe these things, then you have a biblical worldview. And sad today that only 5% of people who say they're Christians have a view that I just read out. This is the reason why we're doing this series. We want to reclaim a few things that I just believe that as we get a hold of this right now, I believe that God's going to begin showing us some things. Could it just be that our country might experience what Josiah experienced in the Old Testament where they rediscovered the Word of God and great blessings begin to flow, prosperity begin to flow, healing begin to flow? Could it just be that that's what God has for America? Could it just be that that's what God has for our lives personally? I believe so. I believe it with all my heart. And that's why I believe it. We're going to go back to the Word of God. 
we're going to reclaim a few things about the promises of God. Why is it so important to do so? Because the Bible tells us that God's word is alive. Look what Hebrews 4.12 says. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Friends, you see it right here. God's word is alive. Is, is the book itself alive? Okay. No, the book is not alive in, in itself. But when you begin to read it, and you begin to apply it to your life, life comes to you. Life comes to dead situations. Life comes to things that you think are impossible, and God shows up, the God of impossibility, says, I'll make that possible, because he's the God of the Bible, and his word is alive, you guys. I want you to get a hold of this scripture right here alone. God's word is alive, and it'll make a difference in your life. I want you to see this. I want you to, I'm going to just go through these really quick. And, and, and we'll flash these scriptures up here for you as well. So it says this, God frames the world by his word, Hebrews 11, 3. So first comes God's word and then comes the world. God's word is that powerful. Men are born again by his word, 1 Peter 1, 23. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them, Matthew 8, 17. God's word is truth. John 17, 17. We found out last week on that one. And this one here, I love this. God exalts his word even above his name. Psalm 138, verse 2. Listen to this one. He exalts his word even above his name. He says his name is already great, but he said this, I have to make my word greater than my name. Why? Because my word is the standard. My word is the power. My word is the thing that we can lay hold of and we can bring change to our life, change to our situations, change to our families, but it's based on the word of God. Let's reclaim it, man. Let's reclaim the word of God. God's word inspires us and it teaches us. Look at this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I want you to see a little practical how-to right over here. All scripture is inspired by God. Listen, I mean right there, all scripture is inspired by God. What does that mean? This is trying to tell us how, how holy men of God were empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to write these things. And these were written from God to you and I. Why? So they would be inspired to do what? It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. And it corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. I want you to see four things that God's word, which is inspired, will do for us. It's going to teach us what's true. It's going to show us where we're missing it. It's, then the next thing, it's going to make us realize what's wrong. and all that. It's going to show us where we got off the path, where we missed it, then where we got off. Then it's going to correct us. It's going to show us how to get back on. Then it's going to teach us. It's going to train us. It's going to show us how to stay on there and to not leave this path. It's going to show us how to stay married. It's going to show us how to raise our kids successfully. It's going to show us how to run our business successfully. It's going to show us how to run our nation and our country successfully. That's what the Word of God can inspire us to do. But here's the deal. Sometimes... The Bible needs to be explained to us. Sometimes the Word of God needs to be taught to us. There are times you can read it for yourself, and, and we're going to challenge you to do that. But there's sometimes when we just need other people to teach us the Bible. That's the reason why it started out with the public reading. It moved into synagogues, and the public reading of the Scripture has been going on forever, and even to this day. And God raises up people to teach us the Bible. That's what the Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter 4. He raises up ministers or people who are skilled in this, in, this, in this area to teach us the scripture. I'll never forget this. All my life, you know, I was raised in a, in a very, very religious environment. And, all my, and, and, and really the environment that I was raised in, it had Bible teachers that really didn't understand the scripture. They didn't, they didn't know how to explain it. 
So imagine you're sitting in church day in and day out, and all the preacher ever says is, God's going to get you if you do something wrong. Walk the straight and narrow. God's going to get you if you do something wrong. So my whole life, I'm like, God's going to get me if I do something wrong. And here's what happened. Here's what happened. I started getting comfortable with God's going to get me. Otherwise, you know, if I do something wrong. And so I started stepping out and doing things that were wrong and God never got me. Okay. So I got used to that fear. I got used to that rebellion and I got used to drowning out what the man said because God never got me. All right. And so he got me in a different kind of way. I'll explain later, but I'm trying to tell you, I was raised in a super religious environment and you're a teenager. And you're listening to the preacher tell you, yeah, the Bible says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And so I'm just thinking, okay, if I get into a fight with somebody, I get to pluck somebody's eye out, okay? You know as well as I do that that's not what the Bible says. But somebody who's unlearned in the scripture, okay, can lead you to believe these weird things, okay? Or, 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 or we talk about some of, the, some, of the, some of the ministry of Jesus and how at one time Jesus... Jesus found somebody that, that needed healing in his eyes. And, and, so, and so he pulls, he pulls this man aside. And, he just, and it was the, the most uh, 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 unorthodox way to get healing to somebody. Because normally Jesus would just touch people and he'd pray for them or he'd speak the word over them. But this particular instance, Jesus pulls this guy aside and he spits in some mud. All right. And then he takes this mud and he puts it on this guy's eyes and, and then he begins to see. All right. And so it's cool. Jesus, he can do whatever he wants. But listen, if we don't understand this and we just think, oh, since Jesus spit in mud and did this, people are going to start a spitting ministry. Right. Oh, I'm going to go do the same thing. And, and, and people do stupid stuff like that because they're not taught. They don't understand. There isn't somebody there to teach them. I am telling you. And I had to understand this for myself because, listen. This is a really good one that really got me, right? This is the reason why it's important to reclaim the Word of God and to have some people really explain this to us. All throughout Jesus' ministry, you see him rebuking the storms, right? Everybody said, who is this Jesus that even the storms obey him? Now, just listen to this for a second. Listen, if God is in heaven sending the storm, and Jesus is on earth rebuking the storm, they got a problem going on over here. How many of them I'm talking about, okay? This is a problem. I mean, these guys aren't going to work against each other, right? So just maybe, maybe God is not the one authoring all these storms. Maybe it's the enemy. Maybe it's Satan. Maybe it is the accuser that's authoring these storms and making it look like it's God's fault, all right? So come on, this is the reason why it's so important to understand the Word of God and to reclaim some of these promises. You know, one of the greatest things that, that changed my life is I started to understand how powerful God's Word was, was, when it was as it related to myself personally. I, I received Christ, and, but, but the world still had a hold on me. And there were, there were things that I was working through, right? I still was doing things that you would consider a Christian shouldn't be doing, all right? That party lifestyle got a hold of me. And, and even though I was a Christian, it was, it, was, it was hard coming out of me. I often think about this, you know, when the Israelites left Egypt, okay? They left Egypt, but it took several years for Egypt to leave them. That's kind of what happened to me. I left Egypt. I became a Christian. But man, there was a lot of Egypt still left on the inside of me. And I, and I did some things in those early days that some of you might think, man, there's no way you can be a Christian and do those things, okay? I get all that. And so I, I, I was in the struggle, and I just, I wanted to be free. I wanted to come out of this party lifestyle. I wanted to come out of this lust that was on my life that I couldn't shake. And I kept going up to the altar to receive prayer, and I will never forget this. And this is one of the things that turned my life around. I went to that altar, and I, and I prayed in this, in this minister. God bless his heart. He meant well got him next to me, and I told him why I was there, and he started to pray with me, and here's what he said. He said, son, sometimes this lust that you have is something that you're going to have to bear for the rest of your life. Sometimes people just never get free of this, and you just need to hold on to God's unchanging hand, and I never forgot how 
I'll, I'll never forget how I left that place so defeated, so wrecked, so like, oh my God, this is my life. I am stuck with this for the rest of my life. Until, come on, you guys, I'm telling you, until somebody reclaimed the word of God for me. I was invited to a Bible study where a minister was teaching and how to break the power of temptation. And I'll never forget this. They were teaching from James chapter one, and it was talking about how temptation doesn't come from God, that temptation comes from the devil, and how if you understand what, what, that, the temp, that God's not the one that's tempting you, that you don't have to carry this burden anymore, like I was told, all right? And I was able to cast this burden over onto the Lord, and although it didn't leave me instantly, listen, the entrance of that word that I heard that day began to change me. It began to change my life. It gave me hope that I didn't have to carry lust for the rest of my life, but it gave me hope that I could be free of this thing. It gave me hope that I could be free like everybody else is free, that I could get married and have successful family, that I could be true to just one person for the rest of my life. It gave me hope that day. What gave me hope? The word of God gave me hope. And Here's what happened. Psalm 119, 105 says that the entrance of God's word will give light to you. So while I was sitting in that Bible teaching and I heard that I could be free from this lust, I could be free from this temptation, light came into me. And as light came into me, I began to rise up out of that place a new person. I wasn't completely delivered, but I can tell you right now, I could point right back to that meeting when things begin to turn around in my life and have been set free ever since. And I'm telling you, I believe this with all my heart. If culture understood how powerful the Word of God is, if culture really understood that God's Word isn't designed to control you, it's not designed to manipulate you, it's not designed to hold you back, it's quite the opposite. God's Word is designed to free you. God's Word is designed to help you become all that you're supposed to be. God's Word is designed to help you overcome and get victory in every area of your life. It's designed to help you come out of rejection. Even though people have put you down, even though people have talked about you, even though people have backstabbed you, it's designed to give you a hope to come out of that, that God's word can free you from all that hurt, all that rejection, all that beat down. God's word can free you like it freed me. That's the reason why God's word is so powerful. And the enemy works so hard to kick it out of our schools, works so hard for culture to challenge us that, that God's word is irrelevant, it's outdated, it should be changed. No, God's word is designed to change culture. I'm not interested in being culturally relevant. I am interested in being biblically relevant. That's the reason why we're going to reclaim the word of God. We're going to reclaim a few things. I think you need to reclaim a a few things. You need to let God shake you, mold you, sweep off the dust off of your Bible. Stop making excuses for getting into the Bible for yourself. Stop making excuses from hearing Bible teach it just like this. Let God's word reclaim you. Come on, somebody. I just said a lot right there. The entrance of God's word will give light to you. It will free you. It'll deliver you. It'll help you overcome. Don't let the lie of culture, don't let the enemy's lies deceive you. Well, I've read the Bible and I just don't understand it. That's okay. You keep reading it. Get in an environment like this and I promise you, the same way light came to me, light will come to you. The Word of God, the Bible, is a book of promises. You have to look at it that way. It is a book of promises that God makes to you and I. Promises of hope, promises of salvation, promises of freedom, promises of deliverance, promise, the promise of living a better life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. That was his word. That's what he said. And when you get a hold of that promise, it begins to take you over. And I want to read the scripture to you. Look what 2 Corinthians 1.20 says. Listen, if you believe today and you reclaim the word of God with me today, listen to this. For the promises of God 
in him are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. The promises of God are yes and amen. Here's what this means. When God makes a promise in the word of God, you can claim it for yourself and you could say yes and amen to it. Listen, Jewish scholars, this is what they believe. They believe every day they wake up. These are old time Jewish scholars. Every day they believe that God's blessings are always raining down on the earth. Every day, they're just raining down on the earth. And that's the reason why every day you have to wake up with an amen in your voice, an amen in your spirit. What does amen mean? It means so be it. It means be it done unto me. Jewish scholars live their life this way. And so this is what this promise is telling us, that the word of God, the promises of God are yes and amen, that they can be done unto us today. The promise, listen, will be lifeless, just like the word of God became lifeless when they lost it in 2 Kings. But it can come alive in you when you realize that it's powerful, when you realize that it'll work for you today, all right? It is yes and amen. What do I mean by that? Listen to this. The word of God tells us that God has a plan for your life Someone needs to say yes and amen. Come on, put that in the chat. Yes and amen. God has a plan for your life. I didn't say that. The word of God says so. You mean God has a plan for my life as wrecked as my life is? Yes, God still has a plan for your life. Why? His promises are yes and amen. That promise pulled me out of a pit too. God has a plan for your life. God, oh, I love this one. It is not good for man to be alone. Come on, somebody. Yes and amen. Come on, somebody. I love this scripture. If, you, if you're standing and you're believing for a spouse, that's what the promise says. It's not good for the man to be alone or the woman to be alone. Come on, this goes both ways. Aren't you just glad for that, all right? So, Yes and amen. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Come on. Yes and amen. Our sin and lawless deeds, he will remember no more. Come on. Yes and amen. Oh, you don't understand the things I did last night. Yes, and amen. Oh, you don't understand how bad I was. Yes, and amen. Our sin and lawlessness, he will remember no more. Yes, and amen. It's the enemy that wants you to remember. It's culture that wants you to remember, but God says, I don't remember. I promise you that if culture would understand this, if culture would get a hold of this, culture would be doing everything it could to get to the word of God. Come on, join me in this quest to reclaim a few things. I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes and amen. I'm going to walk through difficult times. Yes, I'm going to come out victorious. Yes, that's what the promise gives us today. I'm in a storm right now. All around me is stuff happening that I almost can't even believe. Gene and I just talked about this is a joke what's happening around us. The sick people, people who've just died, people who've lost things all around us. And we're, I feel like we're walking through this valley right now and we're saying, oh Lord, we're surrounded by the grace of God. We're praying for all of our friends who are hurt. We're praying for everybody that's lost stuff. They're lo they've lost loved ones, the family fights that are going on right now, Un unexpected situations, par parents lost because of cancer and, and vicious disease all around us. And we're praying for all these people. And, in, and we're saying, in the name of Jesus, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but it will not come near us. Come on, somebody. Yes and amen. God loves me despite my performance. Yes and amen. God loves me despite my failures. Yes and amen. God loves me even though I bless in his name. Yes and amen. God loves me even though I turn my back on him. Yes and amen. He was the one who hung on the cross and said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yes and amen. His mercies are new every morning. Yes and amen.
I promise you, you get a hold of this to change your life. Reclaim a few things. Reclaim a few things. Reclaim the promises of God. Open your Bible. Begin to read it. Make time for it every single day. Allow Scripture to change you. Allow it to free you. Allow it to help you become everything that you're supposed to become. When you understand the Word of God, listen, we're talking about reclaiming God's Word. Reclaim it. Not, not just reclaiming a history book. Rec reclaiming a book that's alive, that's full of answers, that's full of things to help us. A, a book that will help you begin the greatest adventure of your life. I promise you. When you can understand how alive God's Word is, it will be the beginning of one of the greatest adventures that you will never find here on the earth in something else. But the greatest adventures in your life will begin as you begin to understand God's Word and how alive it really is. And here's why that adventure is so strong. Because when you really reclaim God's Word and you really embrace it, and you say, I'm going to reclaim this, then you will always find Jesus. You know why? Because the Bible says that Jesus and God's Word are one. And when you go for the Word of God, and you allow the Word of God to change you as you reclaim God's Word for your life, you will find places in Jesus that you've never found. You'll find an affection and an acceptance that maybe you've never found. I didn't know that I was his beloved. I didn't know that I was accepted beyond my failures. I didn't know he was the one who made me alive. I didn't know he was the one who made me sit with him heavenly places, meaning he invites me into an intimate relationship with him. I didn't know any of that. But as I started to come out of that religious environment, and I started to discover the word of God myself, I found Jesus. I found a person of Jesus that I never knew. I found a Jesus who said, he called me his brother. I found a God who called me his son. I found a new family as I reclaimed the word of God. Maybe you're watching today. You've heard me say a lot of things, but maybe you haven't allowed God's word to lead you to Jesus. And right now, I want to invite you to this Jesus that I'm talking about. The scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life i want to give you that invitation and i want to read them i'll quote the scripture right after that for god did not send his son into the world to condemn it but to save it god's not condemning you he's saving you god's not judging you He's saying, I love you. Come into my family. That's what he's saying. If you're watching today and you've never invited Christ into your life, you've never put your faith in Jesus, then I want to give you this opportunity to do so right now. Would you just pray a simple prayer just like this? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I receive you as my Savior. Thank you for welcoming me into the family of God. I believe I am saved today. Amen. Amen. Hopefully this message was encouraging to you. And if it was, tell a friend.
And thank you for your generosity. Your generosity enables us to take the message of God's unchanging love all around the world. For more information on how to give and about the ministry, visit us at therevolutionchurch.com. We'll see you right back here next week.